Welcome back, everyone. It's episode four with the Cutie Podcast, your favorite radio show that nobody's ever heard of. Today in the show, we have double board certified plastic surgeon, Dr. Nikki Christopoulos. She is Chicago's expert in plastic surgery and non-surgical interventions of the face, breast, and body. She's a wife, mother, and honestly, extremely generous for coming on our show today. Welcome, Nikki. We are so, so happy to have you. Dr. Nikki, we are so excited to have you here, and we miss you so dearly. Um, Our faces miss you very dearly. My frown and um, lines miss you very dearly, and we hope you're doing okay. Um, Tell us about how you've been quarantining in the last few weeks and who you're with. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me, first of all. I um, got to tell you, I was really looking forward to this. It makes me feel like I'm, you know, a doctor and a plastic surgeon who's actually working instead of you know, running around at home after a two-year-old and cooking and cleaning all day. So (laughs) (laughs) this is a welcome reprieve. Um, I'm good. I'm good. Hanging in there and just trying to, um, you know, stay stay safe, stay healthy, stay sane and gearing up to ease back into work soon. So looking forward to it. I think we all are. We're all all dying. I couldn't imagine like you're so hands-on all the time. I mean, literally every moment that I, do you feel like you're getting a break or do you feel like you're just so antsy to go back? Yeah, you know, this at all, because it really is, you know, a terrible thing. And I'm sure we've all unfortunately know somebody who has been affected by this personally, but it has been kind of nice to just reconnect with, you know, my family, with myself, with my husband, with our son, um, not to be constantly go, go, go. I have a two year old and, you know, it's the, I'll never get back. You know, this time that I'm spending with him is just amazing. So it has been really nice. It it has been nice. And it sort of, sort of resets you, I think, sort of puts your priorities back to where they should be. So for that, I'm thankful. Absolutely. Yeah. And that sun time, I'm sure he's like loving you being around. Oh Oh my God. He's (laughs) attached to my leg. I don't know how I'm going to go back to work. (laughs) (laughs) He literally, he's like, I'm his favorite person on the planet. He doesn't leave me alone. (laughs) Well, we want to dive in all things Dr. Nikki, but I think before we do that, um, I sort of want to express how pro-body, pro-confident, and self-loving all of us are as people. We know this is a non-judgmental space or one size doesn't always fit all, and it's important that we sort of highlight as we know that cosmetics in general can sound really intimidating. Um, So we're always, you know, for what makes you feel like your best self. But that being said, I want to talk about your skill set and the services that you have to offer to get our listeners familiar sort of with a day in the life of you. So I'm a board certified plastic surgeon. I have been in practice for about 11 years. Um, I'm certified by the American Board of Plastic Surgery and the American Board of Surgery. I spent um, all of my training here in Chicago at Rush University. And I have been in private practice for the last, not all of my career, but for the last um, oh, probably six years, I've been in private practice solely focused on cosmetic surgery. So what I primarily do is um, just aesthetic surgery for both men and women. And I focus on, from the surgical aspect, I do face, breast, and body. I do a lot of breasts, a lot of body work, and a lot of face work, but I, I do the whole gamut. Um, and also the non-surgical uh, injectable side. So I spend a couple of days of the week operating in the operating room, and then I spend a couple of days of the week uh, in the office seeing patients. Of which we're so thankful for. <laughs> <Very>. <laughs> I can't wait to see you all back. Trust me. 
there's will definitely be outside the door waiting for you. If Hi, I had a dollar like for animals. every patient or friend who has texted me, begged me, called me, emailed me during this quarantine, asking me for house calls and virtual Botox, and I, I wouldn't have to work anymore. <laughs> I think Jen and I are wondering how, if we can get close enough to the phone, if you can get the needle to go through. <laughs> <laughs> I have to tell you, you are you guys are not the first to ask that. I have had so many requests for home visits, drive-by, you name it. <laughs> you are not the first. Drive-by Botox. Drive-by Botox. I know, right? Oh my God. Well, when you were getting started in plastic surgery, like what initially drew you to it? Well, that's a great question. So it's funny. I always wanted to be a surgeon. For some reason, I, I knew that from day one of medical school and I really don't know why. I mean, there were no surgeons in my family. It wasn't something that you know, I, I had a specific event in my life that guided me that way. Um, so I started my training in general surgery because when I finished medical school, I didn't know that I wanted to be a plastic surgeon. Then I wasn't sure. I knew I wanted surgery. So I started my general surgery training at Rush um, with the initial plans to be a vascular surgeon, believe it or not. By wow. year one or two, I you know, I thought I was going to be a vascular surgeon. It was my third year of um general surgery residency that I made the switch and I decided to do plastics, which couldn't be more different from vascular from a broad aspect. But there was a lot of similarities in terms of um, attention to detail that's required, the focus, the not that that's not needed for all surgeries, but um, it was it was a little different. And it, it changed. I, I realized that I loved plastics because I liked that I could affect many people's lives, meaning men, women, adults, and children, which in a lot of other specialties, you're a little bit more pigeonholed into the type of patient you're taking care of. So I really loved that about plastics. Um, I also love that the patients for the most part were not um, super sick to begin with. So you were really changing their life, whether it was from a trauma or an accident or a new cancer diagnosis, which I did a lot of at the beginning of my career, you were really, oh, wow. really, really affecting their life in a positive way. So I, I made the right choice when I switched. Well, that's how we love you. We love that. Like you're always about making people feel like their best versions of themselves. And even if it's from, I mean, I know I've asked you for all kinds of things. I'm like, <laughs> I, let's do more of it. And you always do it in such a way that is just so natural and and really highlights a person. It's never overdone. It's always just, I feel like the work you do is just absolutely beautiful. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. And, I, I, you know, I really pride myself on that because I think that there is so much negative, there's so much bad plastic surgery out there, number one, and there's so much negative press about it. And, you know, people ask me all the time, how do you do it? I mean, it's, you know, even my husband, sometimes he's like, it's such a vain world and such a superficial world. I'm like, listen, I don't see it that way. I see you. There's nothing wrong with trying to look your best. You shower, you do your hair, you, you know, brush your teeth. These are all forms of self care. I don't necessarily, I don't see plastic surgery as anything different. Um, but I also, my personal aesthetic is that I like natural. I don't want to look fake. I don't want to look not like me. I want to just look better. And I think that's the difference between good plastic surgery and bad plastic surgery. And I'm sure you guys have all seen 
bad plastic surgery walking around the street, just like you see it on TV and in the media. But, you know, unfortunately, you have a lot of people out there who are injecting and operating who shouldn't be, who are not board certified plastic surgeons or facial surgeons or dermatologists who are doing these things. Um, And, you know, you're going to find people who don't say no to patients, whereas I say no to patients all the time. (laughs) Well, I think that's like when you talk about people seeing it as like a vain world, like I think it's, it, it can get such a bad rap. And sometimes it's about just the same way you'd buy yourself a pair of shoes or like a bag. It's really an investment in yourself. And it's, enhancing how you feel on the inside and like if you feel good relationships are better and your your life is better as a result um and i think that like that even starts with something as small as botox um i know that your sister maria got me into botox and coming to see you and i absolutely love it and it's something that really makes me feel good and it's something that i would i don't think it's vain it, to me that stuff is really it is it's self care and um and who doesn't love a smooth forehead i mean come on i mean let's be honest right I, right um with with botox like what age do you think is appropriate to start Botox and the anti-aging benefits of it? So it's a great question. And, and there, the answer is there's no perfect age to start Botox. Um, I personally started when I was 30, not that I really necessarily needed to, but I was in the field. I was a resident at the time. Um, but I now am injecting people in their 20s. I, you know, in the best time to start really, and it's just different for everybody because I see 25 year olds with wrinkles and deep etched lines on their forehead, and I see 35 year olds who have nothing. So it really just depends on each individual's anatomy, collagen, sun damage, and genetics is, you know, a very huge part of it. Um, what I usually tell patients is Botox is indeed, and when I say Botox, I'm just using that to refer to all the different neuromodulators. There's Dysport, um, there's others out there, but I'm just using Botox to refer to all of them. Um, it is a preventative treatment because how Botox works is it paralyzes the muscles that cause movement wrinkles. So for example, the horizontal lines on your forehead are caused by your frontalis muscle. So if you're paralyzing these muscles over time, the muscle does weaken and it thins. So you're never going to get as deep etched lines as if you had never started Botox. So if you, let's say, start seeing, what I tell my patients is this, I want you to move. I don't want you frozen. Frozen doesn't look good. Frozen Um, it looks weird. It looks unnatural and it actually ages you. So my goal is in most patients is to have you have movement and have no wrinkles at rest, but it's okay to have a little bit of wrinkling when you animate, when you raise your eyebrows, when you smile, you want that because that looks normal. What I don't like to see is I don't like to see lines and wrinkles when you're not animating. So if you're starting to see that, then it's definitely time to start the Botox. Um, let's take it like one step further. And I know you're saying Botox for all of injectables, but injectables in general. So, you know, maybe doing something hand in hand, a filler and a Botox, or, um, you know, just sort of comboing some of these treatments to get the most natural look, like tell us a little bit about like, what are your most common and successful areas for fillers and Botox and give us sort of a little lowdown on what to expect in that process. So complex question. So Botox and fillers are two different things and they treat separate things. Botox, like all neuromodulators, are for wrinkles that are caused by movement. Fillers, and I'm going to use the term globally to describe all fillers, fillers are volumizing agents. They replace volume that has been lost. So they're not interchangeable. What fillers does cannot be done by Botox and vice versa. 
So we all start losing volume in our face as we get older. And that usually starts in the mid twenties, believe it or not. Um, I like to tell, you know, some of my older patients, as we get older, we don't lose fat from our butt where we'd like to, we lose it from our face. And as you get older, losing volume in your face does cause the signs of aging that we all unfortunately see and know very well, the deflated cheeks, the sunken in eyes, um, the marionette lines around the mouth, the nasolabial folds, all of that comes from volume loss. So the best approach to the face, it's, there's no one answer for your question. It's everybody is different and unique. Some patients, you know, I look at every face as a fresh new canvas, if you will. Um, some patients need volume in their cheeks. Some patients need volume in their lips. Some need it both, you know, both places. Some need it around the eyes. It really just depends. Um, but the best result is a combination of both. There, you know, most patients, however, in their 20s, they're not ready for fillers. They don't need it quite yet. But I would say by the time 30 hits, then you start needing some volume replacement. Absolutely. So let's talk on this misconceptions, because I'm sure you have so many people, I mean, me included, um, I feel like when I had my first consultation with you, I literally was like, help, help, help. This is this. I think my (laughs) face looks like a potato. I'm scared of this. I don't want to look like this. I mean, I'm sure it's really it's it's very stressful for the patient. And um, with your knowledge, help us clear up sort of some of the concerns and fears you hear the most from patients with injectables in general, and just any advice for people toying with the idea of them um, to give them a little bit of comfort for this, uh, this in general. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think most people are afraid of looking crazy. And by that, and I I shouldn't use that term lightly, but they're, they're afraid of looking unnatural or not like themselves is the the number one fear I probably hear. Number two fear is, um, they are afraid that fillers will make their face look fat. And that is a very common question and concern that I get. And that is absolutely not true. Fillers are not intended to make you puffy or fat or make you look like you have two round apples in your cheeks. That is if they're done correctly, you're only your the goal with fillers is to replace a volume that has been lost to reinflate if you look, think of the face as a, um, I, I like to use the analogy sometimes to patients that, you know, when you're young and you're 18 years old, you're a, a juicy grape. And as you get older, that drip grape starts to dehydrate a little bit. You lose the internal volume. And that's when you start to see the wrinkles, the folds, the deflation. So the goal with fillers is to fill and replace what has been lost, not to give you extra to make you look unnatural. That's so a, I think that was actually going to be a question of mine. Like, I feel like such a trend, especially with Instagram these days, there's been like a new surgence of this overfilled look. People are, I feel like are trying to add more architecture or sculpture to their face when it might ne- not necessarily need to be done. Yeah, absolutely. And that's part of why, you know, I, like I said before, I do tell patients, no, I mean, yeah, unfortunately in, in the United States and in, in it's a human nature. We think that just because a little is good, that a lot is better. And that's not necessarily mm-hmm. the case, especially when it comes to injectables. Um, because just because you had two syringes of filler in your face and you're so happy and it looks great and you, you it doesn't mean that four is going to be better. There's a, there's a very fine balance between the right amount. And I think, you know, that's where it's important and who you go to and who does your work when it comes to injectables, especially. Just because, I mean, it's our, it's my job as a plastic surgeon to not only educate you and all my patients, obviously, but to show you what is, you know, I try to stay within the parameters of what is appropriate and anatomically correct, but still make you happy. I, you know, I'm fortunate that most of my practice and my patients 
they don't come in asking for crazy. Everybody just wants to look like themselves when they've rested, went to the spa, were five pounds thinner and hadn't had alcohol in a week. <laughs> that's, that's always, always that's the damn truth, right? <laughs> I mean, if we can, if I can make you look like that every day, won't you be happy? I, I know I'm always happy when I leave your office. <laughs> I'm always happier than before than when I came in. <laughs> That's for sure. I have a, one question on um, this whole Botox thing because I've looked it up. So sort of being someone nearing their 30s um, or right there and interested in having kids, you know, in the near future, what is allowed injectable wise or recommended or safe? Anything? <laughs> so... Uh- we have this discussion in the office often because in my office, I work with four wonderful, amazing dermatologists. I'm a plastic surgeon and we're four dermatologists. Um, okay. The bottom line is there's no study or data to that has compared, that has looked at any type of injectable, whether it's Botox or fillers in pregnant women, because obviously we're not going to do that study, right? No one's going to take a pregnant woman and a non-pregnant woman and let's sure, inject both yeah. of them and see it. Right. So (laughs) that's just an unrealistic study that nobody will agree to. So my current stance is no injectables if you're pregnant or breastfeeding. Okay. Um, And the reason is you just don't know. I mean, I'm sure it it probably is safe, to be quite honest. Um, You know, it's a small amount, it's localized amount, et cetera. But we just don't know the answer to that. And, you know, and I mean, I got pregnant. I survived nine months without Botox and fillers, I, everyone else can do it. It's just safer. And it's just, it, it's, I, I wouldn't recommend it. For sure. Man, this is quite the test, right? If we can go through quarantine, we can go through a pregnancy. That's right, sure. right, right. I, I think that makes Jen and I both check so that we can make sure that we get Botox and fillers done right before. Oh, you are not the first, nor will you be the last to do that. I promise you. <laughs> I was just going to say the good news is when you're younger, Botox does tend to last longer on you. You can go longer between treatments. So, you know, a 20 year old trying to get pregnant is a little different than a 40 year old in terms of timing of the Botox. So youth is on your uh, side. (laughs) Jen's closer to that than I am right now. So, (laughs) so Jen will be our guinea pig uh, for these purposes. Um, With that note, we'll take a quick break for our sponsorship. As you guys know, we always like to highlight um, a, a community cause, an organization, or someone doing some good during this time. Um, for today's podcast episode, we picked the Hog Salt Restaurant Group. Um, they have a fantastic Hog Salt um, employee relief fund going on right now. Um, it in, This includes all of the restaurants like Bavette's, Gilt, Travoli Tavern, High Five, Green Shoot Smoked Meats, and Acheval. As fellow West Loop locals and um, fellow restaurant lovers, we thought it would be fitting um, for Nikki's interview. But right now, they're offering a GoFundMe relief. Um, so if you go on to GoFundMe and look up Hog Salt or Hog Salt GoFundMe on Google, their link will appear in the first in the first set. Um, or at Hog Salt on Instagram and click the link in their bio. Um, it goes to all of their employees affected during this time due to the closure of the restaurants. Um, and it's a really good cause. It's a way to give back to our servers and industry workers um, who have given us such amazing experiences um, when we go out to dine and a way to say thank you as they are, will be some of the first people back to work um, facing the public after the quarantine is over. 
So again, you can find them at Hogsalt GoFundMe or at Hogsalt on Instagram. I cannot wait for Botox and Bavettes. It, I think it should be that's the, the two B's I like to hear aside from bikinis. Oh, and bikinis, yeah. So um, okay, Dr. Nikki, I I reached out to a lot of friends and um and we have a lot of questions throughout the second half of this, but first I have to ask you, how many people come in with a Kardashian expectation? Like how do you handle this request? How feasible is this shape without um surgical intervention? Because I don't think we're convinced. In terms of body, you're talking, not face. Yes, body. Okay. Um, so believe it or not, I do not get a ton of those inquiries in my personal practice. I just, you know, I just don't. Now, I do get a little bit. And well, number one, let's, the, the Kardashian shape is not an a unaltered natural shape. that They, they were not born like that. Um, and that shape is not natural. They have had interventions. Um, so what they've likely had is, you know, they're very, very thin. So their waist to hip ratio is, is very significant. And that's what gives that exaggerated shape. It's their waist is very small and their hip and their buttock size is very large. Now, nobody's really born with that waist to hip ratio. That is not a, a very natural or usual anatomic ratio that you see. It is achieved through different things. It can be achieved through liposuction. It can be achieved through liposuction and fat transfer, meaning adding the fat to the buttocks or the hips, or it can be done non-surgically with, um, uh, products like Sculptra, which is an injectable. Sculptra is um, a collagen stimulator, which can be done for a non-surgical buttock augmentation. Um, and it is a great product. And that I do actually perform a lot of in my office. It's great for filling in um, dimples, small areas of contour deformity. The limiting factor of Sculptra is cost primarily because you do need a significant amount of product in order to get drastic results. Um, so in terms of the Kardashians, I, you know, I'm not their plastic surgeon. I don't know what they have had done, but my guess is they have had a combination of liposuction, maybe a little bit of fat transfer, uh, combined with some sculpture injections for sure. Good to know. I feel like I'm always so, I mean, we're just so damn curious. It's like those things. I mean, I guess a good way of looking at it is before the Kardashians, did anybody have a waist to hip like that? Not no, I don't think so. Or something in right. The I mean, it wasn't something that you saw, and now you see it. So, patients or you know, human population genetically did not just alter into different body shapes naturally. I mean, so that that this is a uh, this and was assisted. I feel like there are always there are always like beauty trends, and getting that achieving that body shape is definitely one of them right now. The big butt, the big boobs, flat abs. I feel like it's really hard to win um, in the game of comparison, you know, with Instagram. And so when it comes to like beauty trends, I feel like bodies like that shape right now is a very hot on the trend scale. And I feel like also, you know, over the years, there are eyebrow trends and makeup trends. Do you feel like the like the lip and cheek filling right now is part of a trend that they have also set? You know what? You cut off. You, did you ask me? Uh, you said, the, do I believe that the lip and cheek filling what? Um, do you feel that the lip and cheek filling is also a trend right now? 
Um, I, you know, first of all, like, you're absolutely correct. The trends come and go. We went through, you know, the Kate Moss wave phase. We went, you know, we went through big boobs, small breasts. Um, now this, you know, so trends do come and go. And who knows in 20 years if the Kardashian type of body will still be um, very commonly requested or not. But in terms of face, um, I think that when we, I think the current trend, at least in my practice and for most of my patients and my friends and for myself personally, is the trend is gear is going back more towards a natural look. There are less and less patients who come in and want the overfilled lips like the Kardashians or the exaggerated look. And you'll see it um, in yourselves and your friends. I mean, how many of your friends want that overdone look? I mean, especially in the Midwest yeah. here in Chicago, we don't yeah. see that a lot. Um, I think it seems that the trend, it's kind of like when a new product first comes out and everybody sort of pushes the envelope into what they can do with it and they overdo it. And, they, and then you get like a little bit of a backlash because then people are like, wait a minute, you look crazy. You don't look good. You don't look natural. You look older. Um, I'm sure, it, you know, you've seen a lot of 20 year olds who've overdone it and they end up looking twice their age. And that's very, very true with fillers. That's one of my my biggest things about fillers, doing too much, especially too soon can age you and that, you know, you'll have the back, the opposite effect of what you're intending. Absolutely. I, you know, I think that lips, you know, I think full lips is always a nice thing. And as we get older, you do lose volume and collagen in your lips. So I, I don't think lip fillers are going anywhere. I think it's a wonderful tool. It's just to be used appropriately. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I know I love them. I haven't done them in ages with you, but uh, I'll, that's probably going to be on my list, Nikki, after this quarantine, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Um, but, but one thing that I think that also never goes out of style are moms. And I feel like during this quarantine, I have more appreciation for moms now more than ever. And just, I don't know, maybe it's maybe it's our age that we're coming into, but I feel like We've talked a lot about bodies on this podcast and talking about feeling good. And I think that is such a gift for you to be able to give moms for your specialization in mommy makeovers. Can you tell us a little bit about like what your options are for postpartum mothers, when to do it, what to expect, um, and just elaborate a little bit on, on kind of what that encompasses? Yeah, of course. Absolutely. One of my favorite topics. Um I actually, you know, I do a ton of mommy makeovers and I'm actually hosting a uh, live sort of webinar on Tuesday night to talk about this specific thing. You can uh, call our office to sign up and I'll tell you that info later. But um, back to your question. Um, so mommy makeover is a very generic term. It does not mean anything specifically. It basically refers to any combination of surgeries that a mom might want. Um, it typically refers to some sort of breast procedure breast procedure and a tummy procedure, because those are the two areas, um, you know, that kind of take the biggest hit, yeah. <laughs> right? Take <laughs> the biggest hit after pregnancy and breastfeeding, et cetera. So most commonly it's a breast procedure and that can be a breast augmentation. It can be a breast lift. It can be a breast reduction. It really just depends on what your own personal needs are. Um, and then it's often combined with a tummy tuck and we, with or without liposuction. Most often it is, it does include liposuction. Um, a tummy tuck is, you know, I'm sure you all have seen pictures and it's a scar to remove the extra skin and fat and the loose and stretched out skin that you get after a pregnancy and a delivery. And another benefit of a tummy tuck is it actually 
tightens your abdominal muscles to give you a sort of surgical six pack, if you will, because every woman, almost every woman, I shouldn't say every, but almost everybody after a significant weight gain and loss gets a separation of their abdominal muscles. Mm -hmm. So tummy tuck is a great way to sort of cinch in your waist and give you back that, you know, I, I liken it to an internal corset. I'm tightening your internal corset. So that's what favorite procedure hands down to do. Um, it is a life-changing procedure for moms. Having a two-year-old, like I said myself, I am not anywhere near back to where I was before pregnancy. So, and, you know, I just haven't had time to do it myself yet, but one of these days I will. I'm sure it varies, but, um, and everyone's their own special case, but what is a recovery time on maybe just the tummy tuck, um, for instance? Um, well, okay. Good question. So a tummy tuck is more, involved than let's say a breast surgery if you so that's one of the reasons why moms often choose to do a mommy makeover combined into one surgery because the tummy tuck is the longer recovery so if you're doing it you might as well you know kind of do both it also saves you on recovery anesthesia etc um a tummy tuck recovery is about i tell patients if you have a desk type of job you need about 10 to 14 days off work for a breast surgery, whether it's an augmentation or a lift or a reduction, you just need five to seven days off work. So it's a little bit longer of a recovery for a tummy tuck. Um, both surgeries, whether they're done individually or together, need it's a six-week for full release for me to tell you you can go do whatever you want in terms of you know, Pilates, yoga, jumping out of an airplane, et cetera. Six weeks for full recovery, um, two weeks for the tummy tuck, one week for breast surgery in very generic terms. Now, when you say go back to work, I feel like work right now is somewhat of a loose term in in terms of location. So say someone has, is also a workaholic um, and they want to get this done, but they don't want to miss out on work. Can they work from home or yes. are they just really So, you know, um, for a breast surgery, you can work from home probably, I would say, after two days. Um, you, wow. you know, I do in both my breast surgeries and my abdominal plasties, I do use a long lasting uh, pain injection. So that helps with a lot. And but you still tend to need a narcotic, um, especially with a tummy tuck just for about 24 to 48 hours. So you're a little loopy from that you're tired from the anesthesia. So I would say after a tummy tuck, you can work from home, maybe, I don't know, five days. And after a breast surgery, two days, I would say. That's crazy. Wow. I, I feel like that would excite me if I was considering it. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it really just depends. Everybody is so different in terms of recovery from anesthesia, recovery from pain. Every, every patient's different. These, but, you know, working from home is a lot easier than, you know, getting in the car, driving, going to the office, et cetera. So. Well, it sounds like this quarantine is training us for that. So I think that's exciting for a lot of people who are considering I it. know, right? You know, the unfortunate thing is everybody's begging for surgery now because everybody's at home with time to recover. But we obviously, cosmetic surgery is low on the totem pole in terms of what is deemed necessary, which understandably so. Yeah. 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 Well, I think Jen has uh, some Q&As. I do. Okay. I just have a couple a couple booby questions that I feel like we should ask. Um, first of all, breast implants and um, are they actually safe? As I'm sure they're safe enough that you keep performing them, but um, you know, safe for you know moms that maybe get pregnant again and want plan to nurse and such. 
So yes, the short answer is breast implants are safe. They are one of the most studied medical devices out there. They've been around for many, many years. Uh, There are risks, obviously, with implants, just as with any procedure. And I think the extensive, extensive talk that I would give a patient in terms of breast implants is just, you know, too much for this talk right now. But there are risks with breast implants, just like with anything. Um, The short answer is, if I needed breast implants, I feel safe putting them in me. I wouldn't do anything or recommend anything to a patient that I wouldn't do myself. Um, So if that tells you anything. And they are safe (laughs) if you are planning on a future pregnancy. Um, The what I tell my younger patients who desire breast implants, it's the two things in terms of future pregnancies. Um, having breast implants in no way prevents you from getting pregnant or having a normal pregnancy. Uh, it It's possible that it could affect your breastfeeding capabilities. I tell patients you might breastfeed normally, you may not be able to breastfeed at all, or you may breastfeed fine, but not produce enough milk. Well, that's kind of true, even if you never had breast implants. So it's really, really hard to, you know, determine that. Um, and the other thing is if, you know, your breasts will change during pregnancy and breastfeeding. So, you know, what they look like before is not necessarily what they're going to look like when you're done, but you know, it's, that is what it is. (laughs) I tell patients with breast implants that, you know, especially on the younger patients that they're not permanent devices. Chances are you'll need another operation at some point in your life, but well, that was Most my next question is sort of what is, you know, say someone's getting them in their 20s or early 30s, for instance, what is sort of that adjust um, period that a potential second surgery would be needed? So, you know, there's this fallacy, this like internet rumor, I'm not sure where it came from, that implants have to be replaced every 10 years. And that is definitely not true. Um, implants, I you know, I tell everybody they are not permanent devices. They have a rupture rate. They, you know, they're not meant to last forever. That being said, um, the newer generation implants that we have are very durable. They do last a long time. If 10 years go by 15 and you're not having a problem, you do not have to replace them. Um, but I do tell patients, especially in their twenties, you're young, chances are you're going to need an operation at some point in your life. Absolutely. And you touched on this earlier um, when you were talking about feeling confident saying no to your patients when they're asking for something that may just be too much. And Joe, especially, Joe's wanting all the things. I, I always ask for the stuff and she always turns me down. <laughs> have you experienced having to have that confrontation of saying no more in your injectables or more in your plastic surgery? Ooh. Body. Face uh, or body? Probably more in injectables, actually. Um, I think the trend, you know, for, for body, everybody, you know, everybody has a body. I can make your body look better, but I can't change your body. I can't, you know, there's a lot we can do with liposuction. There's a lot we can do with implants, but I can't genetically alter the shape of your body. I can definitely make it better. So it's a lot easier for patients to understand that in terms of surgery for body procedures, I think, especially also, um, in terms of breasts, which is an area where some women may come in for, you know, over the top stuff, the trend in breasts, at least in my practice is for smaller, more tasteful, uh, more natural looking breasts. So the, at least in my personal practice, the request for the oversized overdone breast, and I don't get that as much as I used to. Um, but in terms of injectables, yes, I do get, you know, it's just like I said, patients come in and they think that a little is good. So they want more, more, and more. And that's when I, you know, I have had the, 
unfortunate event where I've had to actually turn several patients away just because they, they came to me from other injectors, um, from other dermatologists or plastic surgeons or wherever they went. Um, and they were just so overdone that I wanted, you know, and they wanted more when they came to me and I had to, you know, sit there and educate them and, and explain to them why more was not good. And that, you know, it was terrible what people had done to their faces, but it was, it was, there is, you have to learn how to say no. <laughs> yeah. And when you talk about injectables, um, which we both know and love, um, what do you kind of see for the future of non-invasive surgeries, injectables, we'll call like micro augmentations? Um, I think the trend is more natural. Um, I think that as we get better and better at using these injectables, um, dermatologists and plastic surgeons, we're expanding our pro or repertoire of where we can use them and how we can use them. There's also newer products that keep coming on the market. So I think that's really, really exciting in terms of, um, uh, different fillers and different neuromodulators that are coming out in terms of longevity. So I think that will continue to just expand. Um, I also think that, you know, research continues to be done in the Holy grail, in my opinion, um, of plastic surgery, the treatment of cellulite. Um, I don't think we've managed to solve that problem yet, but hopefully one day we will. So I think there, and you know, the uh, this industry is just continuing to grow, and I don't think it's going anywhere. And I don't think anybody's interest, as we've learned from this quarantine, um, you know, the desire for injectables and non-invasive surgical products in the beauty world, I mean, it's not going anywhere. I think it's only going to continue to grow. You mentioned cellulite aside from that's shit we don't love, but hey, maybe we do <laughs> love it. I don't know. Um, is Are there any treatments right now that are on the market that you recommend to people to try or that you're curious about yourself? Uh, <laughs> there are some treatments out there that do improve the appearance of cellulite, but they are short lived and they're not, they're not, nothing's permanent. So, you know, right, if right, you right. are someone with, um, you know, unlimited funds and you can spend money for looking great for a year or two, that's great. I tell most patients, Go to the gym, do squats, get a tan. It really does there look. It, it helps yep. more, I think, long term. <laughs> and to that's be why we—that's why we love you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> along with our favorite category, shit we love. So this is where we talk about shit that you're loving right now. It can be anything: um, products, people, things, places which is likely your house. So um, what are you loving right now? <laughs> uh, what am I loving right now? I'm loving not wearing makeup every day. I got to be honest. Yes. <laughs> or not blow drying my hair every day. Those are two of my favorite things right now. Um, what else? Do you any, have any favorite skin products right now that you're that's just like making your face feel so good without makeup? Uh, well, I'm a pretty big fan of the Elastin skin line and the Neocutis skin line. I tend to alternate between those two. So I, I love them both. Um, I use their eye cream. I use their moisturizer. I use their night cream. Um, so I, I tend to kind of go in between those two lines. Can we find those at your office? Do you sell them? Yes, there? you should. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We'll definitely be uh, linking those for everyone uh, who can't see Nikki. Her skin is flawless, and she's like a Benjamin Button, so she's always <laughs> re reverse aging. I don't know how she does it. I drink the Kool-Aid, ladies. I drink the Kool-Aid. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jen, what are some things that you're loving right now? 
Okay. So, you know, Costco, (laughs) 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 talk about just like stocking up on things or being able to have one order of things that just you get bulk purchases or bulk amounts of of, um, things. So while I'm going to hold this up, because we're on FaceTime for those that can't see this cold brew Kirkland coffee has been (laughs) saving my life because I'm getting it in bulk and I don't have to wake up early and start my tea kettle. So that's been something I've been loving. Another thing I've been loving um, are anything pajama-based, like athleisure, not too tight um, clothing. And Lou and Gray is my new favorite place to shop ever. They have this like super soft material. They have it in sweatpants. I'm wearing like just a sweater, t-shirt dress. And it is the best stuff ever. And you can wear it like semi in meetings and look like you're decent, but you're really in pajamas. Um, So those are, yes. Oh my gosh. Lou and Gray and cold brew coffee, Kirkland cold brew coffee from Costco are my (laughs) things I love right now. Joe? Um, should I love right now? Beanies. I've been wearing them a lot lately just because I'm not washing my hair as frequently. But with that said, I did just purchase the Way Detox Shampoo. Um, and I love it. It's really amazing. It d- makes your hair and scalp feel super clean. But then after I highly recommend like a hair mask or oil or something to really like moisturize your hair after your conditioner when you're out of the shower. How often are you having to wash your hair with that? Well, or are you right training? now, the showers oh. are few and far between. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they recommend like one to two times a week more if you're like a big dry shampoo or product person. Um, it's meant to like get deep down into your roots and scalp. But um, I say like once, one to two times a week for someone who doesn't use a lot of product. Amazing. You know, I did actually just order a brand new hair, uh, what do you call it? The... Uh, Hair powder from Violet Gray. It hasn't come yet, so we'll see. Oh, we'll let, you post let it. us know. Dry shampoo. We, That's what it's called. Dry shampoo. Yes. <laughs> I'm always we looking love for dry shampoo here. It's getting <laughs> us through a lot of things. Dr. Nikki, thank you so much for talking to us and filling everyone in. And we seriously cannot wait to see, see you and be there and get shot up however you can do it. My um, pleasure, you guys. I miss you all so much. I can't wait to be back in the office. Can you share one more time where we can, um, or anyone can tune in to the virtual mommy makeovers and then also where we can find you on socials and all those amazing before and after pictures that you have posted. Okay. So, um, my website is nikkichristopoulosmd.com, but I'm also part of Chicago cosmetic surgery and dermatology. So you can also go to their website, which is chicagodermatology.com. Um, my Instagram handle is at Dr. Nikki Christopoulos. So you'll find lots of pictures there as well as my website. And then the virtual webinar I'm hosting on Tuesday night is from five to six. You do have to sign up um, so that you can get the link. It's on a Google chat type of thing, but you can just call our office or you can go to the website or Instagram and you'll see a link to sign up for it. Amazing. We love it. You're the best, Nikki. We we can't wait to see you. And we wish you you a safe and happy rest of your quarantine. (laughs) I got to go see what my two-year-old's up to. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Nikki. All right. Bye, guys. Thank you. Bye.